Author and polyvagal consultant Deb Dana tells us that there are three prerequisites for a nervous system to experience safety. Those include context, choice, and connection. I'm Lauren Hubelay, health educator and gymotherapy expert. We began this podcast series as an exploration of polyvagal theory, Asian medicine, and gymotherapy in an effort to uncover pathways to harmonize autonomic nervous system. Yet this harmony can only occur when we feel safe, safe in our bodies, safe in our environment. Today, we'll look at Deb Dana's idea behind context, choice, and connection. But let me first welcome my um, passionate polyvagalist, Cameron Scott. Welcome, Cameron. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Japanese acupuncturist, Megan Lim. Hi, Lauren. It's great to be with you. Hi, Cameron, and to everyone listening. Great. Ladies, I have so many questions about these. I don't even know where to begin, but I think the best place might be for you, Cameron, to talk a little bit about how you see these three words and give us a, an overview of these terms. It's such a good question because when we begin to really listen to our autonomic nervous systems, we're sensing into the cues that we're receiving precognitively for the possibility for safety, which is the foundation for engagement, which is the foundation for well-being. And we're constantly, our autonomic nervous systems outside of our awareness until we bring our awareness to it is sort of moving in that, you know, are there, is there a context? Am I feeling safe? Is there, a, a, are there choices? My system is feeling, sensing, and, and it's the possibility for connection. Again, our autonomic nervous system is searching. It's looking for all of those cues. And when they're present, our system really can relax into that well-being and connective place. If some of these elements are not present, it's like the three-legged stool is no longer standing up and our autonomic nervous system may be starting to bring in cues for lack of safety or, you know, cues for threat. So it's, a, the, it's like a dev diagrams in sort of a flow like a pinwheel. Um, and it's either moving into more and more uh, of all three states and cues for safety being present or not, is something missing. Hmm. When, when I think about this, one of the thoughts that comes to mind is an, an example, like um, if I hear a really weird noise in the middle of the night and it's dark and um, I'm trying, I can feel my brain trying to put some context to that, right? Mm -hmm. And then I go through this place of, I can make choices about, oh, it's safe, I'm okay. I already picture that animal that's making the noise or it's mm -hmm. not someone breaking in. Am I looking at this the right way, Cameron? There are many ways to focus in very specifically or to, to focus out. So this is, that's a good example. It can be in a very small incident or it can be in a more of a, a general perspective. But it's always our autonomic nervous system is, is looking for what might be jarring and looking for the, 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 the missing element of that. 
So could you widen the lens then and maybe give an example of what, what you mean by broad, a broader look at that? Such a good question. Um, it can be more of those, those softer shifts. It's like if you walk into a situation, you walk into a room and it, 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 it's looking good and everything is like, but something, something's off. Something doesn't feel quite right. And then you can see our autonomic nervous system is going to go into those questions like, you know, what, what's not feeling right? Well, you know, and it's going to be doing that with, with or without our attention to it. So one of the reasons we want to bring our attention to these constantly asked questions is to, to, to be curious. We bring ourselves into a little bit more, something's not quite right, um, ventral vagal curiosity. And then like your sound in the night, we then can attune to it, attend to it. Hmm. So is this our neuroception that's picking these up? Yes. Until we start being able to be curious about it. Okay. Okay. Megan, do you have questions on this? You know, I, I have this visual image coming to mind that I think might help listeners be able to um, picture what we're talking about here. And if you think about a continuum, right, we know that the nervous system can't feel connected and socially engaged and safe at the same time that we're feeling like we need to protect ourselves or we're neurocepting some kind of danger or maybe even in a more extreme case, some kind of threat. So I think along this continuum on one side is feeling socially engaged and feeling safe and being able to relax into the moment. And then on the other end of the continuum is us feeling like we need to um, take action to protect ourselves or that uh, we're even beyond that and action's not gonna help and we feel some kind of life threat. And sort of what helps the um, little uh, placement of where we are along that continuum move more towards the side of engaged and connected and relaxed into the moment which is what we experience as the ventral vagal state. These three context, connection, and reminds me what's the third one? Context, choice. connection, and choice. Yes, like Cameron said, are the three foundations on sort of which this experience of connection and safety um, rests. Mm -hmm. I think I need some more examples to play with this to help me understand. And, and maybe that's true for our listeners. So when I'm thinking of like blowing this up, um, and it could be people don't feel those three things in their life as it is right now. Like um, take, for instance, people that are living in, you know, extreme quarantine in some of the European countries and, and they, do they have those things or are they feeling safe? Or maybe the better example of that would have been like at the very beginning of the outbreak of COVID where we didn't have any context or experience with this and we lost connection and we didn't have a lot of choices. Is that a good example, Cameron? It's a good example for those challenges to that ease of being able to have those that feedback loop that Megan's speaking about, you know, mm -hmm. when when we're pulled at all 
to a cue for danger or threat, we move away from that ease of engagement. Um, and, and well put for Megan, that continuum. Mm -hmm. and, and to many degrees, you know, the world right now has lots and lots of cues for, for dangerous threat, you know, pandemics and politics and fires and storms. And so that is a, the, an overall flow that affects that continuum. And the more we can listen in, we can invite ourselves and try to resource our, our non-endomicrobial nervous systems back in to being able to come back into good regulation and connection more quickly. Cameron, I have a question. So I know that, you know, the nervous system is neurocepting hues of safety or danger moment by moment, and that um, that we're designed, our nervous system is designed to oscillate and meet each moment. And when we talk about connection, choice, and context, it has been my experience as I was thinking about this, that it's not, all three of them don't always have to be present for me to be able to uh, invite a little bit of ventral vagal into the moment but that if I can get back online with even one of those, with opening up my awareness in that moment and feeling uh, more connected to a person or more connected to myself, or you know, the context in a situation suddenly comes into my awareness, I can feel myself soften and, and dip into a little bit of opening of safety and connection without all of them being present. Is that true? Uh Absolutely. And again, we're just inviting that little more of that ventral vagal energy when maybe one of those aspects isn't as well balanced, but we just need a little bit to begin that movement up to be curious. Mm. Megan, thanks for, for bringing that up because my picture when I first started to explore this was that we, we, um, came into these one at a time, right? Like we had to have um, context first before we could move on. And, and what I'm hearing from this conversation, this isn't linear, am I right? This, this could, these could pop up at any given time or, or rate. Yes. yes. Sometimes okay. we experiment with, you know, drawing out these continuums as if they were linear, but in actuality, they're not. Yeah, I mean, so much we want to put on a, a, a linear scale, right? We want to put our healing process on a linear scale. We want to yeah. put our children on a linear scale of growth and development. This doesn't work very well, does it? <laughs> no. Yeah. But I Oh, sorry, Megan. I was just going to say that one of the beautiful things about polyvagal theory is that I think when we're, we come up against these shoulds, how you know putting things, oversimplifying things, or putting them on a linear scale might, in some way, help us sort of feel this short-term safety because we can compartmentalize things. Polyvagal theory then opens us up to the fact that we are oscillating and things aren't linear. The beauty and um, the adaptive nature and the genius of our system, uh, why that's so appropriate and how it actually is caring for us in the moment, even though it might feel not feel that way. Yes. Yeah. It's so so rather than seeing these like on step as stepping stones to a path, 
they're sort of like ingredients that go in that make up safety. And we might, you know, I love to cook and immediately I thought, oh, these are like three ingredients and I might need more contacts this time, or more choice, or does that analogy work? It very much does. And, and one of the fun exercises that Deb Dana does in, in many of her trainings is called soup of the day. And we can even, you know, look back over our day and, you know, what were the different ingredients and what would we want more of or what could we perhaps want less of, but absolutely. Oh, that's a beautiful practice. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, so when we're, if, if I'm listening and I say, you know, I want to, um, try to create a circumstance situation, bring in more ventral bagel so I can feel more safe. I can look to these and see what's available to me right now. Do I have a choice in this situation? Yes. Yes. So often when, um, and, and when, when we don't have access to any ventral vagal energy, we believe we don't have any choices. I mean, that's a clear sign of dorsal, right? Yeah, or sympathetic. But when we leave enough ventral vagal energy, um, it, we can feel it that I, I, I don't have what I need or what I, my system is wanting. Thanks for saying that. That is also sympathetic. That is, I, I get that. I, I see that's true. So in either one of them, seeing choices, um, that, that, that access to that feels blocked. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'll share just because I can, <laughs> I, you know, we talked just before this, how wonderful it is to have all this ventral vagal energy when, when we do these podcasts. And today, of course, you know, I had a moment of, because I am lucky enough to, to see both your face and Megan's face. We do these recordings and I'm sensing, I, my system did a little bit of a sympathetic blip there when I'm like, I see Lauren's face. I'm not sure that my discussion of context choice and connection is, is in line with hers. And I could feel my system pull a little bit toward mobilize. It's like, okay, wait a minute, what's happening? And I share this because I can see my system and I'm gonna bet you dollars to donuts that your listeners can even listen in when we're all together in that wonderful flow state and we're getting all of that context and choice and connection and can listen when it feels a little bit off. And that's the moment we want to go to curiosity. It's like, oh, I just felt a little bit of a shift. And what it couldn't be called a, a real rupture, but our systems are so sensitive. Oh, Cameron, that, that was so elegantly put and timely because I, I'm sure, I'm sure that, that feeling, and what's really interesting because we can see each other here is I, how much expression comes in Absolutely. to that, right? Yep. right? And, and I'm puzzling over in my head, like trying to put pictures because that's what I do to what you're saying and trying to, you're trying to read that can shift states. Well, in all of our social engagement, which tells us a lot at any given moment, are there cues of safety coming toward me or is my system neurocepting looking at, a, at another face or sensing into it? Because all of that ventral vagal energy and all of our nerves and, and muscles and hearing is all about from basically our, our neck up. So our systems, our autonomic nerves are 
constantly in that neurocepting way, looking for those cues and feeling that that offers us again, that flow of either a sense of safety and, and that'd be our, our connection and, and our context and, and, and our choices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that this speaks really to something that we're all working with and adjusting to during this time, which is, you know, even though we're recording right now and we probably would be digital anyway, there are a lot of situations coming up in life where we might be used to connecting in, a, in an in-person way. And now we're having to adjust to connect uh, through a screen. And I think at the beginning, you know, our nervous systems were picking that up, not always as such a cue of safety, but I just read a beautiful article that Deb wrote about her telehealth experience and how um, I think our nervous systems are forming new habits and there is more connection. You know, we know the cranial nerves, you know, uh, control our face muscles and the way that we crinkle around our smiles and our eyes and we communicate to each other, kind of like showing somebody that you're smiling behind your mask with your crinkled eyes. And, you know, we're, we're so creative without even realizing it. And we're coming up with all these new ways to have profound connection. Beautifully said, Megan. Yeah, and, and that's because that's what we innately desire, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we can have all of these um, restrictions put between us and connection, but we still seek out ways to do that. That's really beautiful. And it speaks again to you know, the power of the human body to seek out what it needs. Yes. We're hardwired for biologically hardwired for survival, but we're equally hardwired for connection. Mm. And our systems, given you know the least bit of invitation and support, want that connection. Mm. You know, Cameron, I'm going to bring one more question up because that's my inquisitive mind, and I can't quite leave this topic alone completely. And I'm thinking about times in people's lives certain times in people's lives where these access to these things are super limited. And then I also think about circumstances, particularly for women around the world, where they're in an oppressed state and they don't have choice and they don't have access to connection. And, and yet we, we just talked about this beautiful human ability to try to find connection and you know, I, I, I guess what I, I'm ultimately asking here is our will, our desire to seek that connection, will that see us through? Is that, is that what we're hoping for? Or are there just times that we can't, um, we just have to accept, we are not gonna have these things, choice and context and connection. In a large way, you know, those, those are the really trying times that pull often to that more of that element of I have to be in a survival state. Mm -hmm. And yet with, you know, we have the ability to co-regulate and the ability to self-regulate. And sometimes we really need to pull on, you know, this is the time and it's, you know, all those works on, you know, mindfulness that I, you know, I'm feeling a lot of challenge around connection and safety cues and whatever, but those are sometimes the moments that we 
you know, bring ourselves into quiet, noticing it, naming it, and then actually bring ourselves into that practice of still knowing that, you know, we are here and, and that small and often ways just to touch in, to bring some of those cues in the smallest of ways. You know, I think that, you know, for people who come into an intention of meditation or come into a connection of, of nature, even for just a moment or come into a pictures uh, of that bring some of those cues for safety and connection in. Some people, you know, will take a moment with essential oils or lotions or anything that brings in some of those small micro moments uh, of safety, which helps us weather the times when overall we are really, really having our systems challenged. And it, again, noticing it, naming it. I, I sat with someone earlier who was just, you know, fit to be tied with herself and what was wrong with her and blah, 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 blah. And, and then she started coming into more regulation and said, well, I've been through this, I've been through that, I've been through this. And I'm like, I didn't even need to ask the question. And you're wondering why you're feeling so dysregulated. <laughs> no, I see it now. Yeah. yeah, but she regulated with you, right? Exactly. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, I'll hold my inquisitive mind and wrap around, let it wrap around all this juicy information you two help me um, sort through. Megan, any other comments before we wrap up today? No, this is a beautiful exploration and I appreciate so much of what you both said. Yeah, Cameron, thanks again for bringing us your polyvagal insights and to our listeners, I um, once again want to ask you to check in with us with your questions because um, our, that's what our exploration is all about is to help you find your way to safety using the tools that we know about. So please take a minute, send me an email at lauren at laurenhubelay.com and subject line podcast questions. And if you're wondering a little where you can find out a little bit more about our work, um, I'd like to send you to um, Deb Dana's book, um, Polyvagal Exercises for Safety and Connection. I think this is an excellent resource. Cameron, where can folks hear more about your work? I have a website at CameronScottMA.com and I'm happy to announce that within the next couple of weeks, the Polyvagal Institute is going to go up and live online. And it's going to be a wonderful resource to, for us all to be able to have questions and bring the work of Deb Dana and Steve Porges and many, many other passionate polyvagalists to a, a, a place where we can be curious together. Oh, fantastic. What great news. Please keep us posted on that. And Megan, where can folks hear more about your work? Yeah, if you're interested more about my practice or work, you can find me at aculem.com. And I just wanted to um, bring listeners to another book, which is Stanley Rosenberg's Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve, because there's some real basic um, instructions and exercises for ways that we can shift state with ourselves at home in the moment very quickly. Beautiful. Ladies, thank you. And listeners, um, we wish you all the best as you navigate these waters towards safety for yourself. <laughs>